Chapter 1 Growing Up What is the definition of child? To be a child is to be a young one in the process of development, not mature or fully grown, or simply not finished growing. I love the thought of a child being someone, not fully formed, because it includes everyone from an unborn child to a six-month-old to five years of age or a teenager, all the way to me at nearly 58. God's not through with me yet. Growing up is discovering, experiencing, developing, exploring, living, loving. Growing up in heaven is all of these and more. Your child is not dead. They are discovering, experiencing, developing, exploring, living, loving. In the wonderful place we call heaven. This is what growing up in heaven is like. Matthew 19.14 Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Kids, everywhere, running and climbing, laughing and playing, singing and dancing, touching and feeling, curiosity bubbling, joy showing, life and love everywhere. Heaven is a wonderful place to grow up. It is a place where there is no pain or sorrow. Children are free to explore and discover new things at every turn. There are no hard lessons to learn like on this earth. Heaven is filled with beautiful colors and bright new things to see and hear. There is never any danger or fear. No disease, sickness, or cancer exist in that place. There are no strangers to beware of. You will not see a single bump on any head or a scratch or a bruise on any knee. If they want to pet a lion or pull a wolf's tail, they are free to do so. If they ride a rhino, brush a bear's teeth, or luck up an elephant's trunk, it is no problem. The leopards are tame and snakes are harmless. They can climb the highest tree and jump out and not even hurt their feet. No accidents at all. Chapter 2 Heaven is a Real Place Heaven is a wonderful place. It is beyond all we ask or think. Far above all we have seen here on earth. Read what the Bible says in the following passages. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Isaiah 11, verses 6-9 through 9. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Matthew 19, 14 But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, 
the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Revelation 21.4 And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Revelation 22.1 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. Revelation 21-25 And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Chapter 3 An Unexpected Vision One day I was at work, and I saw a quick vision of heaven. I saw a very bright light behind the throne of God. It was so bright that all else was dark. I could see a silhouette of the throne itself. And as I watched I saw a very athletic young woman come and stand before the throne. She looked like she was in better shape than someone in the Olympics. Written across the bottom of the scene were the words, Mary's mother in heaven. She was a friend's mom. I had ministered at her funeral. She had been through a long battle with sickness and did not have her legs anymore. Yet here she was in heaven, young, whole, fit, looking better than I had ever seen her in my life. I was amazed to see her this way, yet my heart cried, Why show me Mary's mom? If I'm going to see heaven, I want to see my boy. Instantly a boy of about three came skipping out and took her hand. I knew it was my son, not a baby anymore, but he appeared to be his earthly age. Things I learned from this vision. He was growing up. I had him frozen in time, and myself as well. Grief does that. He was alive, living life. I was not. I was breathing, but he was living. He was excited, skipping around God's throne and I was in year three of a ten-year depression. I was grieving my loss, not his. Just having a visual of him, well, alive, happy, living, growing, playing, being himself, a little guy, growing up in heaven. It was then that the seed for this book was first planted in my heart. I want other parents to know and see what I've seen and feel what I feel. Our Samuel growing up in heaven. I tell you, seeing heaven will blow you away. It is way cool. Chapter 4 My Second Vision of Heaven A Surprise Visitor One Tuesday night, very late, I was about to walk through the door of our church on the way out to my truck. It had been a great night. 
God had been really good to us as we prayed and sought His freedom from things holding us captive against our will. Old things, old ways of life, old ways of thinking, old ways of being. Things that can't keep us from living, but can rob us of life itself. We were finished, but God had a surprise in store for me. I turned to tell a friend goodnight. Suddenly there he was, as real as anything I have ever seen or felt. Before me stood my son. I knew him instantly. In heaven we will know as we are known. He was dressed all in white, but not a white like we have here on earth. This white was so bright and shining, it was like light itself. His hair was kind of golden colored with a slight curl to it. He had a crown of what looked to be gold on his head, and I was so glad. In heaven we get crowns for faithfulness, and it had always bothered me to think my boy wouldn't have one, because he never had the chance to earn one on earth. I hated the thought he would be without one of his own to throw or cast at Jesus' feet. In heaven we worship gods with our crowns. I saw the crown and I knew he had a job in heaven. I now know God rewards faithfulness in heaven and earth. I was so proud of him. He was such a good-looking kid. He had turned out right and I had nothing whatsoever to do with it. He was about my height and he had the bluest eyes I have ever seen. His mom had blue eyes. His face was so pure like no 14-year-old on earth could ever be. So clean, so untouched by this world. You could see clear through to his soul. Nothing is hidden in heaven. He had his arms out for a hug. I reached out and found him hugging me as tightly as I was hugging him, neither of us ever wanting to let go. He spoke, and I could feel the words vibrate inside me. Like your ears pick up the vibrations of sound, my heart, my soul, my spirit heard the words, It's okay. I am okay. It wasn't your fault. I heard his heart say he was well. I felt his embrace tell me. He didn't hold anything against me. There was nothing to separate us. His love and acceptance testified there was nothing ever held against me. The guilt I had felt was a lie. We were now and forever right with God and each other. It could not have lasted more than 20 seconds, but it seemed to last a lifetime. Your reunion with your boy or girl is going to be some kind of awesome experience. Chapter 5 My Third Vision of Heaven One I Asked For I lay down on the hard wooden altar at our church after a few years had passed. I prayed, God, I know I have no right to ask, but I sure would like to know how Samuel is doing. Almost immediately, I saw a zoom-in or close-up of a hand playing a living guitar. My vision was centered on the hole in the center of the instrument. When the notes were played, the hole sang the music, much as a person's mouth would form the sounds. The instrument sang the notes of the songs, as we would sing the words to a song. I realized the worship of heaven is alive. Not just live, but alive. I watched him play and the guitar sing for a moment as the view pulled back. I saw a young man, my son, leading worship in heaven. He was seated on a bench holding the guitar, dressed in clothes styled much like a guy his age would wear on earth. They were not too hip, 
yet not too plain either. Just right to demonstrate his age and personality. Yes, we have personality in heaven. As I watched him play, I became aware of the setting and who he was leading into worship, the Lord's presence. There was an area loosely enclosed by a soft hedge of bushes, maybe like a sheepfold. My view widened again and I saw all these little hands and arms raised in praise to God. It was beautiful, but over way too soon. I waited for more, hoping to get a chance to speak or see more, but no more came. I lay on the altar of the church and listened as the Lord began to explain the vision to me. We should always ask the Lord what a vision means. We should never assume to know or understand what has been revealed. I was a little disappointed my glimpse of heaven was so short. I now know what Samuel's job in heaven is. He gets to lead infants in worship to the Lord with a really cool guitar. The Word of God says, Out of the mouth of babes thou hast ordained praise. I have always wanted to have a guitar that would play itself, and my wife has always loved working with babies. It is really beyond our imagination what we may get to do in heaven. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And the Lord said to me, Some dads and sons fish, but you don't like to fish. Some like to work on cars, you don't like to work on cars. Every son wants to do what his father loves to do. You love to worship me so that is what you get to do together. Wow! What a revelation! I am as close to my son as the Lord is to me. As I enter into his presence, I bridge the gap from here to there. All is right on earth and in heaven above. I am free to worship him with all who have gone before me into his presence. We don't have to wait to die to be reunited in his presence. We can be there now. When you come in my presence, there is no distance between you and him. No distance between heaven and earth as you each worship me together. Chapter 6 Dealing with the Sickness and Death of a Child A Bible Example of a Husband and Wife Dealing with the Sickness and Death of a Child What a difference hope and faith brings. In the Bible, King David had a seriously ill child. He could identify with parents everywhere who have found themselves in that situation. He prayed, went without food, was crazy with worry, spent many sleepless nights. People tried to get him to sleep and eat, but he would not, could not. I am sure the king had the very best doctors available using all the wonder drugs possible. But all of this and his worst fear came upon him. On the seventh day, his little boy died. Have you been there? That day, darker than night, when nothing worked and all seemed to be lost, when it was too late for a miracle, what did you do? How did you respond? Were you in shock? Were you devastated, beyond anything you could possibly imagine? Were you lost in an unreal set of circumstances that should not happen to a dog, let alone your son or daughter? Did you scream out loud or only on the inside? Cry or just go numb? Weep uncontrollably or keep a stiff upper lip. 
blame yourself or God. David's been there. Have you been there too? David's servants, afraid he would harm himself, did not want to tell him the boy was gone. He saw them whispering and knew. Have you stood where David stood? What is that word from the doctor, the tone of their voice or that look in their eyes? David knew. Here is the story from the Bible. And the child was very sick. 2 Samuel 12, 16 David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him, to raise him up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with him. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself, if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed, and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house. And when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou did fast and weep for the child, while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou did rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. In his wisdom, David lived out a spiritual truth few of us can match. He tells us he prayed and fasted when it was possible to change the outcome of the situation. Then he shifts into the reality of life. The child is not going to come back to me. That part is over, but yet it is not. I shall go to him. He continued to live his life on earth like it was so. David, even in his grief, sought to bring comfort. David comforted himself by acknowledging his son was in heaven safe and sound waiting for David to come to him. And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her. And she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. He didn't get lost in his grief and loss. He didn't allow the sorrow to destroy his relationship with his wife. He didn't allow their intimacy to cease to exist by playing the blame game. So many times the blame game destroys the marriage of parents who have lost a child. Don't let it destroy yours. Refuse to play the game. Whose fault was this anyway? Was it my fault? Did I work too much? Why didn't I see this happening? If only I had noticed the symptoms sooner. If only we had visited a different doctor or hospital. If only I could have protected my child. None of this would have happened. Was it caused by my DNA? Does this disease run in my family? Was it my wife's fault? Who tried harder? Who was or was not there for me 
It is just too painful to think of trying to be a family anymore. Plenty of blame to go around. Chapter 7 The Blame Game So many times the blame game destroys the marriage of parents who have lost a child. Don't let it destroy yours. Refuse to play the game. The blame game comes to separate you from your comforters. The game starts like this. Whose fault was this anyway? Was it my fault? Did I work too much? Why didn't I see this happening? If only I had noticed the symptoms sooner. If only we had visited a different doctor or hospital. If I had been there. If only I could have protected my child, none of this would have happened. Was it caused by my DNA? Does this disease run in my family? Was it caused by that secret in my past? I wonder if God was punishing me by taking my child. Then the game shifts to your spouse. Maybe it is my spouse's fault. Maybe their DNA. Maybe it runs in their family. Maybe if they didn't work so much. They should have been more aware. They are not hurting as badly as I am. It is followed by, who tried harder? Who was or was not there for me? You are shutting me out. It is just too painful to think of trying to be a family anymore. You see, the blame game works to destroy marriages and lives so well because there is always plenty of blame to go around. We need to realize God intends your best earthly comforter to be the one who has shared your pain. Your spouse is hurting too. You may think no one can feel the pain or understand the hurt, but you are wrong. We are to comfort one another, husband and wife. Do not shut down emotionally. When we lost Samuel, we were exhausted emotionally and physically. A guy from church came by that night. He asked me straight out, what went wrong? I had to preach at church the next morning, to say the right things, when things were not right. A lady in Sunday school asked my wife what she had learned from the experience. In just the first 24 hours, we had an overwhelming impression. We were on our own. For the first three or four months, we did remarkably well as a family. It was a very tender time. One thing I remember was not laughing or even smiling for over six months. Another thing I recall clearly, how guilty I felt for having even a moment of fun, for forgetting to be sad. David was a man who knew or realized his wife needed him. She needed him like never before. Thank God his wife wanted to be comforted. They needed each other more than ever before. No one else in the world shared what they shared or lost what they lost. No one could comfort like they could comfort one another. I have good news. It is not too late no matter how many years have passed. Be there for each other. Love each other. Forgive each other. Remember together. Cry together. Learn to smile and laugh again. I know you may feel guilty laughing or smiling. It was six months later and I felt guilty about one smile. We must learn to live life. Here. For your child is living life in heaven. They are waiting for you both to be there with them and for them. Chapter 8. Refusing to be comforted. The Story of Joseph and Jacob, a son dead who was alive. 
If you have never read the story of Jacob in the Bible, you are probably unaware of how little has changed from the book of Genesis to the present. For example, Jacob had 14 plus children, 12 sons and two daughters at least, by four women, even though he had only two wives. Of all Jacob's children, Joseph was his favorite. He was the firstborn of Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife. The other wife happens to be her sister, Leah. Sounds like the next Springer show, doesn't it? Jerry! 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 Joseph is a good guy and a great son, but his older brothers hate him. Now this family may need Dr. Phil or the super nanny. Joseph has dreams. He dreams of being more than they want him to be. And they are afraid of him. To make things worse, Jacob gives him a coat of many colors. Genesis 37, verse 3 through 4. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. The conspiracy. His brothers have a plan. Genesis 37, verse 20. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. They intend to murder their brother and lie about it to their father. Then, get a better plan. They decided to sell him into slavery instead. Verse 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. The Cover-Up 31. And they took Joseph's coat, and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. Their false evidence. 32. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Jacob's False Assumption Jacob filled in all the information he didn't have in his hands. Verse 33, And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn in pieces. Jacob's Unnecessary Grief Verse 34, And Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. Jacob thinks, assumes, Joseph is dead. Gone, forever lost. What terror! What unimaginable horror! To think of his loving son eaten alive by a vicious animal. No body, no closure, no grave, funeral. All for nothing. Joseph was just as much alive as he was, living not very far away. Jacob's Mistake in Grief 35 and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. A verse to an old hymn goes, Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Jacob refused to be comforted. For at least thirteen years he lives, if we can call it living as if Joseph was no more, that all was lost. His hopes, plans, even those dreams. We do the same things. First day of school, getting their driver's license, that first car, 
their first date, the prom, graduation, college, the wedding, those grandkids you are never going to see every Thanksgiving, every Christmas. He would never be the same. Could never get past this pain. Wave upon wave of new grief hits his old broken heart. He felt that nothing on this earth could change this evil thing that had touched his family. All the time, Joseph is growing, developing into all God said he would be. By refusing to be comforted, Jacob allows his family to suffer. The loss of a brother and a father. He refused to be comforted by his family, by his friends, or even his God. I have been there too. I refuse to be comforted by my family, friends, or even God himself. I wanted to be comforted my way, not his. God has sent this message to you so you don't spend precious time living here like you are dying to get there. We can't wait to get to heaven to live again. We must start living now like then. Our children are alive, not dead. Chapter 9 Our Children Are Alive, Not Dead We must start acting, living like it. It is so. Now. What if our kids could see how we have been acting? How much damage and pain we have put ourselves through. They might even think it was their fault for leaving the way they did. It happens in divorce all the time. Would we carry on the way we do? I think not. Of who we were before this happened, we must listen and let God talk us through. Like in the airport movies when the pilots and crew are disabled and someone with little experience is put in the position of having to fly and land the plane. They always get someone with lots of experience to talk them down. God knows what it is like to lose a son, at a young age, in a horrible way. He has been there. He knows it hurts. And he did it willingly, for you and me. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He has brought millions of people just like us through. We must remember this is our first time, not His. We may be at our lowest point, at our worst, but He is at His best. He knows what to say, if we will choose to hear. To listen and to trust, He knows best. Take the controls and do as He says. He is the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3-4 through 4. And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Think about what he says to think about. Don't go by what you think, feel, or see. Most planes crash because of pilot error. They thought wrong. Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. He who controls your thoughts controls your vision of truth. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9 For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, 
and my thoughts than your thoughts. We must let the Lord direct our thoughts to His. We must let the Lord direct our thoughts to His view. Every heavenly vision, God-inspired thought, or God-given vision is His view, His knowledge, His truth about our kids and how they are doing in heaven. We should ask God to reveal Himself in us, in His book the Bible, by giving us dreams and visions of heaven, of our children, and what they are doing now. As we think on the things God uses to comfort us, we will be able to comfort one another. Do all children go to heaven? The answer is yes. Why? They were not developed, mature enough on earth to make a choice. They are not perfect, yet they are innocent. So they are covered by grace till the age of accountability. Do all parents go to heaven? No. It is not automatic. We must choose to go. Heaven is a wonderful place and the Word of God tells us how to make it our home forever. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are not perfect. We have broken God's laws and cannot enter heaven as we are. But Jesus died for us, so His perfection could replace our imperfection. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation or payment in full, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. If we ask Him, He will forgive us of our sins and change our hearts and lives. Romans 10, 9 That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. We are Len and Nelda Parsons. We have a son Samuel, alive and well in heaven today. He is 29 and we look forward to seeing him again soon. We have been where you may find yourself today, and we want to pray for and with you. It is our prayer God will use where we have been to be a lifeline to you. There is so much pain and sorrow the Lord wants to heal. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for those who read this book to find peace with you and themselves, for salvation to come to them as they pray for your forgiveness and mercy. Help them, O Lord. We pray to find hope and healing for them and their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Contact us at www.pastorlen.com or P.O. Box 2013, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133.